Blake and Jeremy Brown. Texans at four. Joe George screwed up. He knows it, too. Look at that eating grin. There we go. There we go. Ready to play. 53-man roster set, too. So we know the... Ah, we don't know the 53. Texans are still going to add. They're going to claim a few dudes, I think. Oh, Nick Wheeler go, dealing son of a gun, as you would say. But Nick's going to still be pulling some punches to get some guys. I'm going to go... I'll go with three new players on the Texan than what they have right now after all the cuts. I'll go three. 402, Mark. Okay. I'll go three. After 402 Over, PM. Under. I'm going to go under. Under three? I think two. Mm, I could see that. Joe, you want to get in on this game? Over over under three for Will and Dylan, Nick Casario? Woo. I'm going to take the under. Okay. All right. Maybe I said a bad number there. Maybe I, maybe I should have put it at two and a half. Probably. Oh, well. Whatever. Shot. We'll see what Will... <laughs> Not going to lose anything here. Uh, the most significant news, though, in the NFL was Jonathan Taylor. They did not trade him, and they're keeping him on pup, which yeah. means he has to miss the first four weeks of the season. You think that's a like a this was a this would be a Daryl Morey move, a get back move, because of all of this, because of the fact that he wanted to trade and he the way he's handled it, or is this legit? Because I, I think to me it's a get back move. I think if they traded Jonathan Taylor. And he signed a new contract. I don't think he'd be on the pup list. Correct. But so, I, so I remember I told you about the time that that, that Demo and uh, his agent was a former yeah. uh, B.J. Armstrong, and they they ticked Daryl and Les off. So they basically played a game with them of we're signing you. They brought him back in, went him through the physical. He showed up for pregame, and they said, "Hey, jokes on you. We're not signing you. We're going to say that you didn't pass your physical." With all due respect, Demo's not Jonathan Taylor, I get that. and I think the Colts want to win football games, but, and not having Jonathan Taylor is going to hurt. But the point is, the owners are going to be petty. That, you know, rich guys with a lot with a lot of money still have big egos, and they get petty about stuff. But would it be petty? If I'm, the, if, if I'm if I'm the head coach in the the, the the team, if he legit is healthy, I hate this. I, but I think it'd be pettier if you just played him and gave him forty carries a game, like you abuse him in his final year with the Colts. I think that would be pettier than hey, we're going to give you four games off to start the year because you're annoyed with us. Maybe pettier, but I still think what what's going on right now is petty. I think it's petty probably on both ends a little bit. To be honest, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. So the, the Texans cut down some of their roster. Not, I mean, the mo- notable names actually happened yesterday: the Christian Kirksey, uh, the Desmond King. One thing that I'm looking at today, though, Blankers, is this offensive line is is a cause of concern. We thought it was going to be a strength, and it would be a strength if they were fully healthy. I've been thinking that Kenyon Green's going to start the year on PUP or IR, one of the two. Aaron Wilson confirmed that. He tweeted out today that there is a decent chance Kenyon Green's going to start the year on either PUP or IR. The The news on Juice Scruggs' hamstring is not good. It was bizarre that he left the, the game the other day against the Saints after one series. I was hoping because they were protecting him. No, it's because he strained his hamstring. Aaron Wilson reports that it's a two- to four-week hamstring strain. So uh, Juice Scruggs not going to be ready for the opener. I don't think that Kenyon Green's going to be be ready for the opener. The Texans traded today for Kendrick Green, who didn't play a snap in a regular season game last year for the Steelers. After starting, I think it was 15 games at center for the Steelers in 2021. Very average, very mediocre player. They traded a six-rounder for him. I don't mind that because they need the offensive line depth. But right now, Blankers, the Texans are going to run out an offensive line in week one of Laramie Tunsil at left tackle. Looks like Michael Dieter is going to be their left, left, left guard. 
I have no idea who their center is going to be. I guess Jarrett Patterson, who they drafted in the sixth round, unless they can get uh, Kendrick Davis ready for the start of the year. Right, ga- right guard Shaq Mason, and their right tackle is going to be George Fan. That's an offensive Not line: good. Tunsil, Dieter, Patterson. I guess Shaq Mason and George Fan. That's your offensive line ahead of a rookie quarterback in his first ever NFL game. That's alarming. As long you know what it looked like. When we thought they were really putting a, a lot of uh, of concerted effort into building this offensive lineup to protect CJ, you thought, okay, this is what they need to do. I like what they're doing here. We knew that there were some question marks with Scruggs and and, and with with Kenyon, but now you look at it and go, yeah, injuries happen, things happen. You had no depth, and now you're sitting there looking at this scenario for week one of the regular season when everything counts, going, oh man. I don't feel good at all putting my rookie quarterback starting for the first time and potential franchise quarterback behind a line like that. I thought that, and I said this to you, even after the draft and when they were looking at uh, what they were going to do when they when they got rid of Quisenberry, I thought they were going to go get a veteran and watch the waiver wire and bring in a veteran because it was so important to protect a guy like Stroud. What they did, I don't think, was enough to go get someone with experience that can help them immediately, which is what they need. I think they're super limited on what they can do, though. Like, most of those guys are already on rosters, and some of those teams, most of those teams, all those teams, aren't going to trade those type of players. Like, I I think that I think that Nick Casario really tried. I think Nick look, he's, he's acquired two offensive linemen in the last seven days. He acquired Josh Jones. He, he acquired Kendra Green. I, I think that he has tried to boost up that offensive line. As a matter of fact, it wouldn't shock me if Josh Jones starts a game in the first three weeks of the season. It wouldn't shock me if Kendra Green starts over Jared Patterson at center in week one against Baltimore. It wouldn't shock me either, but the thing that I was talking about was the fact that center is such an important position, and mm-hmm. you do so many different things that can aid a quarterback or could really hurt a quarterback. When you talk about, you know, your last line of, of reading a defense and trying to point out where the where the rush might be coming from with the Mike linebacker and such, and the fact that there's so many idiosyncrasies with the center as it relates to the play call, that I thought that it was more imperative that they get a veteran, a guy that's been there and done that before, no matter how much you think that Scruggs might be your center of the future, and maybe that is as early as, you know, three, four weeks into the season. But for the right from the jump, for a guy at center like Stroud, it, I thought it was imperative that they get another veteran, and they haven't done that yet. But I think that's something they may still look to do. I mean, is that not Kendrick Green? Maybe down the line, but he didn't. He, you said he's never started a game. No, no, no. He didn't start a game last year. He started 15 games in 2021. Well, maybe, maybe you know, Lance was high on him as being a guy that could play both positions. He could play guard. He could play center. To me, it's like I want a guy, and not that I'm looking at Ben Jones types, but I'm looking at guys that can kind of be another big brother stabilizing force that can help guide C.J. Stroud through the first couple weeks of the season. But maybe you're right. Maybe it is green, and maybe that's a guy that they're going to believe in. See, I think this guy actually fits your mold, like picking up a center that can help with the position. Now, it required a Juice Scruggs injury. Like It it required Juice Scruggs getting hurt, and it doesn't look like Juice Scruggs is going to be ready week one. Like Maybe Jared Patterson doesn't start at center week one. Maybe it is uh, Kendrick Green that starts at center in week one. Maybe Dider doesn't start at left guard. Maybe you can get Josh Jones 
at the position, although he's never played left guard in the NFL. He's played left tackle. He's played right guard. Like, maybe there's ways you can patch it together. I don't think Titus Howard's going to be ready. Like, the Texans' offensive line week one is going to be without three starters. Kenyon Green, it was kind of a questionable starter. Uh, Juice Scruggs, who was going to be a rookie starter. And then Titus Howard, who you paid top five right tackle money to. And this, to me, is actually the bigger issue when we start talking about win total for the Houston Texans. And I talked to some people on the Twitter earlier today about Texans' win total and things like that. And the, the thing that you always hear is, well, the Texans, because they're playing in the AFC South, because they have a weak schedule, last play, strength of schedule uh, that they're going up against in their 17 games. They're playing a weak division in the NFC. The schedule stacks up for the Houston Texans. I get all of that. But to, for the Texans to win seven, eight, nine games, what is the other thing that the people that always, like, they throw a disclaimer in there? Well, if they stay healthy, I think they can get to eight wins. If they stay healthy the entire year, they get to nine wins. Does that ever happen in the NFL? I mean, does, it's a does, physical does, sport. Does one team have entered the season with their 22 starters and all 22 starters make it to the end of the year without missing games? It never happens. Injuries are part of the game in the NFL more than anything. And the Texans are going to be without 60% of their starting offensive line in week one. And that, that might be what phase two is for the Texans like down the road is they, they have to get deeper because we're seeing right now this offensive line is not going to be able to produce all that well because of injuries. What happens on the defensive line? If, if you lose two starters on the defensive line, you're going to be poor there. Two linebackers, poor there. Two members of the secondary, poor there. This team, while the top, like the 22 starters, cool. Those 22 starters look good. They have hope. They have promise. They have potential to someday be the pillars of the Houston Texans getting back to the postseason. Four, five, six injuries? This team has the worst roster in the NFL. Yeah, we, we talked about it when they were putting this whole thing together, and, and we said that, hey, look, before you can get in, even get to a point where you're building depth, you have to build a quality roster. And I think that the first part of it, you're right. I think that they've got a quality set of 22. I think they can put quality players onto the field. But I think that the challenge Nick Casario faces when you're looking at Fant, when you're looking at the fact that you need guys that are, are swing offensive linemen, you need guys that are not only swing offensive linemen, but they're talented enough to hold their own for a week or two. When we talk about veteran backup quarterbacks that can come in and not just tread water, when you're a good team, we've seen now that there's value in having a really good backup just in case. Teddy Bridgewater, one of those examples, when he went 5-0 and one year when Breeze got hurt, and all of a sudden people started to take more notice. It's just as important when you're talking about key positions, especially when you're starting a rookie quarterback, how important offensive line play is. Sure, the receiving room is, is a concern, and that is important, but you can get by with the right play calls, as, assuming he has time and he's not running for his life like he was in week one. Right now, because they don't have any depth, he's going to probably be in a situation where he's not going to be able to do the kind of things that they want him to do and the plays they want to call because he's going to have problems with guys getting through too quickly and putting pressure on it. Yeah, this isn't good for Stroud. It's not good for Stroud if you're – I mean, you're running out three players that are below average in the NFL. George Fant, below average. Dieter, if he's your left guard, below average. Jared Patterson was a six-round rookie. Maybe you play Kendrick Green, who didn't play a single game last year for the Steelers because they didn't think he was that good. This offensive line's in shambles. Like, you still have Tunzel, which is encouraging. But this offensive line is in shambles in front of a rookie quarterback. Now, the good news is, if you want to put a positive spin to this before we go to break, you expect Titus Howard back sooner rather than later. Juice Scruggs is going to come back in the first quarter-ish, maybe, of the year. And you hope Kenyon Green gets to a spot in terms of conditioning and in health where he's going to start a majority of the games for you at left guard once he does get back. First month of the season, though, this offensive line 
is going to be an issue. Worst case scenario for a team that desperately needs protection for their quarterback because of how important Stroud is to this whole master plan. Just You just would not have expected this because they actually made a concerted effort to try and upgrade all those positions across the line. Yeah, and look, I mean, Casario added Jones. He added Kendrick Green. You guys are average NFL players at best. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. How alarming Pittsburgh is this? Got ripped for their line last year too. When you said he couldn't yeah, get on the field, and Pittsburgh's line was not good. He was also working out as a fullback this year in an effort to make oh, the good. team. Yeah, Ex- just extremely encouraged. Just by the way, <laughs> it's just a little cherry at top of the you know dreadful segment we had talking about the truce of the Texans' offensive line. How concerning is this for you? Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN HRP listener line seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. Also, the Houston Chronicle copied our idea. Our very clever idea of stock up, stock down. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. 713-780-ESPN. He's blank on Branham. Uh, the general consensus of this offensive line, we're, we're scared. We're, we're frightened. We're terrified. Uh, Josh from Seabrook is a Texans fan. I'm getting 2002 vibes where David Carr got sacked 76 times. If they allow Stroud to get sacked, the good news is you still have Tunsil. The good news is Hydus Howard's going to be back sooner rather than later. Maybe Kenyon Green, although maybe they redshirt Kenyon Green. Who knows? They might. He's got to get. I mean, he's got to tighten some things up. He shouldn't be this dinged up. It's before, weird. Before camp even started, we knew that he had yeah. the medical procedure, but then we we really didn't know about this upper body injury, and then all of a sudden he came up lame after he got Denny Terrio'd with a spin move and got. Stuck, you know, in quicksand. It was also weird that he's like, okay, day one, training camp, not really doing much, which you can understand. And then day two, all the way up to the Saints preseason game, the final preseason game of the year, he's your left guard one. Like, no doubt, starting left guard. And then against the Saints, Dieter's the guy. Kenyon Green's with the twos. Kenyon Green gets embarrassed, and then Kenyon Green gets hurt. It was You think there's any chance, uh, uh, whether they add three, two, or if they add anything more, you think they're still looking offensive line? Because I do. Oh, yeah, why not? Like, they have the second waiver claim tomorrow, so I think that they could be – they'd be silly not to use that. If you're sec- you're letting it go without using it if you don't. Yep. So I think that they're going to use that tomorrow. Um, could I see another offensive lineman? The problem is you start to look at a, bit, a little bit of a roster crunch. Like, if you don't IL or pup Juice Scruggs and you know you're going to be without him for two to four weeks, that means you have to carry him on the roster. So he's got to be on the 53 – I ultimately think that they'll put Kenyon Green on the pup or the IR, so that opens up a roster spot there. But you traded for Kendrick Green. They're, he's going to make the team. You're not going to make that trade and cut it. Well, I shouldn't say Nick Casario would do that because Nick Casario has been known to do that. I, I don't think that Josh Jones is somebody you trade for and then cut. So there's kind of a roster crunch at that spot. There's kind of a numbers game going on there. Yeah, that could be a problem. I, I just think that this is one where you got to hope for a cap casualty of a veteran somewhere across the league or maybe a couple of them across the league where you just look at it and say there's someone with something left in the tank, but their contract might have been a little too big, or for some other reason, maybe they drafted someone younger at the position and they're, they're looking to kind of turn the page. But you just hope that someone, whether it be a center or a guard, falls into their lap, that you can kind of solidify the middle of that line, and that in particular the middle to the, to the left side, to say it's just so vitally important to Stroud and to what they're trying to do in his first year. I hope there's someone else out there that they can grab onto. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. Before we look at this Chronicle article, the Angels released five guys just now. Five? They released 
Lucas Giolito, Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, and Randall Gruchek. All five of those guys are big league players. No, like, all question. five of those guys could help a playoff team tomorrow. Now, they've they've waived Giolito, Matt Moore, Reynaldo Lopez, Hunter Renfro, Randall Gruchek. They acquired four of those guys at the deadline. deadline. Yeah. Renfro, Renfro was supposed to be a huge upgrade to help Trout and, and the pop in the lineup. He's a he's a better than average uh, defensive outfielder. <laughs> now all those guys would be playoff eligible if they're claimed. Yeah, Passon just said that huge potential playoff implications all can be claimed by teams for free on Thursday. So if he, if he says huge potential playoff implications, I'm imagining that they could be on the playoff roster because I think to be on the playoff roster you have to be on an active roster at some point of the year before September first. That's so, I, I was wondering what the deadline. I, I pretty think sure it's September, September 1st. first. So th- I mean, yeah, they would be they would go through waivers in the next twenty four hours. So the they're going to be. On the are team. you looking at Giolito? Yes, no question about it. And in my Lopez. mind. Okay, there's a lot to digest here because if you, I mean, all these pitchers, right? I think you put Matt a play Moore, on all of Matt them. Matt Moore's right? your Moore's not bad. Yeah. Now the thing is, like, you do have a roster crunch. Like we're talking about the offensive line. Like you don't have a lot of spot for pitchers. Like you have maybe one spot. Someone could get hurt. Maybe one spot. But, yeah, but you have to have them on the active roster by September 1st. That means you have to send down somebody. And right now the Astros are pretty full. Yeah, they can't even send down Blanco, can they? Well, they sit, he's currently down. He's well, currently is down. he out of options? He can do one more. He one can, more. No, no. no this, he can come up one more time, but that's the final time. Yeah, okay. they, if they down. send him thought, down, now they put him on waivers. That's why I asked, because I thought some people on Twitter were saying he was out of options. I think we all thought yeah, that was he confusing. Yeah. There was a lot of There was a lot of confusion there, but this was the yeah. fifth time. You get, okay. to do it, you get to do it five times without being subject to waivers. This was the fifth time. So he's good now, but if Blanco gets called back up in September and then they send him down, he would be waived. I, I would – look – I think the answer is yes. The answer is yes. And then Gruchek and Renfro? Like, it might be yes there, too. Well, you could send Jake down. Yeah, see you later, Jake Myers. <laughs> yeah, see you later, Jake Myers is right. Send Jake down. And this get, is so, bizarre. Get a really good upgrade in the outfield. I like My first reaction, Jeremy, was you're getting played. I know. I like it. That I know. Sounds so blasphemous. We, we had it. We had a texture say that this, the Angels just released five players. I was like, this isn't true. So I, I just I actually searched Jeff Passan. So yeah. I, I wasn't like it didn't pop on my timeline. And, I, yeah, I, I, I seeked found, him out. Yeah, I, I get the notifications from Passan like for this reason now with everyone <laughs> being able to buy check marks. It's very real. This is baffling. This shouldn't be allowed. Quite frankly, they're saying. Quite he, frankly, this should be against the rules. Passan is saying. I really think you're right though. because it could really you can reset the deck yeah. and stack it, stack a team this late. I think that's bad. Now, he's saying it's a salary dump, so they have to pay the salaries and they can save for a little two bit of more money. Months? Yeah, seriously, you're well, I mean, already trying, overcommitted eh. for Otani. I mean, if you're Otani, you go, oh, oh, this is not, this is troubling. They're trying to save every dollar for Otani. I mean, this is the purpose of this: is but, to save but, five. I mean, let's just assume these guys make seven million dollars on average. You get to save seven to ten million dollars off your payroll, and then you throw that all at Shohei Otani. This is again a Shohei Otani move. But I've never seen a Major League Baseball team release five legitimate big leaguers but on here, August 29th. Here's why it's still troubling, even if you're trying to save money to get Otani. If you get Otani and you get him back, now you're scrambling to get those those kind of players and more to fill out your roster and make you better than you were a year ago when you were bringing in Hunter Renfro and, and, and doing the things you, you were trying to commit to doing so that he felt like you were legitimately trying to make this team better Around around all the you know complimentary players as well as some of the, money, the guys they've spent money on. Now, if you're you're Otani, if he signs, what are you putting around us? 
You know, what are you putting around me well, and Mike guys, Trout? All these guys were on the final year, I think, maybe without the exception Giolito of Hunter Renfro. Was for sure, yeah. yeah, so all these guys were rentals. So this is all, I'm pretty sure Renfro was even a, actually, I think Renfro was like in the final year of arbitration because they traded for him. So like none of these guys, maybe, maybe Renfro, but all the other ones, Giolito, Moore, Lopez, Gruchek, they were all rentals. So it's not like you're losing any players that were going to be on the roster next no, year. No, but what you're losing, look, and I know I am like the prospect hugger, okay? Yeah, you are a prospect hugger. But the Angels traded the number 66 overall prospect in Major League Baseball yeah. for guys they just cut. But it was, I mean, it's a sunk cost at this point. It didn't they work. could also, they could know, also know, re-sign like, them. What a clown organization. Like, the fact that you traded the number two and three prospect in your organization for Lucas Giolito and Ronaldo Lopez, and you're cutting these guys on yeah. August 29th? You're pathetic. I think I'm putting a waiver claim. The problem is if you put a waiver claim on all of them and then you get all of them, what do you do? Uh, so like maybe you have to pick because I mean legitimately yeah. like I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are putting waiver claims in on these guys. But I mean worst case scenario, you put a waiver claim on all three. For some reason, nobody else tries to claim them, and then you end up with all three. And it's like, uh oh, what do we do? So I think I would roll the dice though. I think I'm waiver claiming every single one of these players. I, I'm dead serious. If I'm Dana Brown, if I'm the Houston Astros. And the, the likelihood is you're not getting any of them because the Astros have a very low waiver claim. Well, yeah, I was going to say, and other teams are going to play defensive, too. If, if they know that they see you know where their claim is and they know it's, that they're sliding yeah. to the Astros, there are teams that are going to be on the defensive to make sure the Astros don't get them. Either starting pitcher to me, I, with what we've seen in the starting pitching well, only in this rotation. Out, only Giolito's a starter. The, more and Lopez are relievers. Okay, I thought Lopez, Lopez has never... I think he did like when he broke the bigs, but he's a converted... He's, he's been a reliever for the Giolito, last the first name that caught my eye, because I thought that that was a guy they should have gone after Got at the deadline. lit up yesterday. And he had some struggles before the, the Sox last... With the Sox before he got traded. But maybe you get him with the law firm, and maybe... You know, look, is he better than Javier? I don't know. But is he a guy that you could put in the back end of your starting pitching rotation in the playoffs because he had experience? Experience-wise, yes. Can you write the ship? I don't know. I'm I'm putting a waiver claim on all these guys. Every single one of them I'm claiming. You're also playing defense yourself. The Astros yeah. are 24th. If you put in claims, you're ahead right now of the Rangers and, and the, the Mariners. Mariners. Yeah. So, like, I mean, we all know the Mar- the Rangers bullpen is trash. Look, I don't think that any of these guys would get to the Astros. I really don't. I think that all of these guys would be picked up before the Astros waiver claim, which is at number twenty four, as Joe as Joe puts it. The, it. the risk is though, if you put it on all five and you end up with all five, you have some either money that you're going to have to eat, or you're going to have to make some some very difficult roster decisions. But I'm doing it. We I'm know sorry. the Rangers are going to go it's for Crane's it. Money. I'm doing it. I'm I'm putting a claim in on all five of these guys to play defense and look. Somebody's one of, any one of these five would help you. Any one of these five would be an upgrade. Moore would be an upgrade in your bullpen. He's a lefty. Lopez would be an upgrade. Giolito would be an upgrade over Christian Javier, if we're being completely honest. Renfro and Gruchek are both better than Jake Myers. Gruchek can play center. Renfro can't, but he's a right-handed hitter that can hit. He's got a cannon for an arm. All of these guys would help this roster. I'm claiming all five of them. It sounds stupid. It sounds bold, but I'm playing defense. and Maybe one of them gets to me. I don't think any of the five would. But we also know that the Mariners are, I mean, the Rangers are in complete go-for-it mode. Now, the Mariners have gone for it for the last two years spending a boatload of money. I don't know how much more what their threshold is to be willing to continue to spend. But we know the Rangers, just what they did at the deadline alone, going out and getting and Scherzer uh, and uh, um, Montgomery, when you're when you're the Rangers in go-for-it mode, they already had traded for Chapman. Mm-hmm. It's another opportunity to get 
Yeah. Try to be what the Astros are and get there and go for it. I guarantee you the Rangers will put a claim in on both relievers because yep. their bullpen is atrocious. So they would put a claim in on both relievers at minimum. So you got to play a little defense here. you got to be bold. Dana Brown, Jim Crane, put a waiver claim on all five of these guys. I don't think you get one. But you do it just in case. 713-780. What a bizarre move. That is great. 713-780-3776. We're going to cash it or trash it coming up next. Hot takes, overreactions that we have. If you have a hot take, you have an overreaction that you want us to cash or trash, send them on in. 713-780-3776. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. Something that you need to be cashing is BetUS. They're trying to give you money. Listen up, sports bettors. I'm here to tell you about my favorite sportsbook and casino. That's BetUS.com. Football is back, and that means it's time to lay down your bets. And I only endorse one sportsbook and casino, and that's BetUS.com. Why, you ask? Well, it's because BetUS is celebrating its 30th year, three decades of sports betting service. A special offer this football season where you get up to 30 risk-free bets. That's right. 30 risk-free bets. It's called Bet Protect. If that isn't enough for you, it should be. But if it's not, BetUS offers the industry's biggest 125% sign-up bonus. That's that's right. 125% sign-up bonus, the biggest in the industry. And there's more. BetUS.com offers a massive 200% crypto sign-up bonus and a 250% casino bonus. They're giving you Money. The game always gets more exciting with a bet, but you can take it to another level at BetUSA.com. Live in-game betting. We all love that. Don't wait. Take advantage of their 30th year offer up to 30 risk-free bets. Get bet protect. Get started today by visiting BetUS.com or give them a call at 1-800-MY-BETUS. That's 1-800-692-3887 to learn all about their bonuses and special offers. 1-800-MY-BETUS. Bet- Time of the week where overreactions are not only welcome, they're celebrated. They say Muhammad Ali was the greatest of all time, but he never fought Cassius Clay. It's Cashem or Trashem with the Killer Bees. This is your hot take. Hmm. Give us a hot spoonful of your opinion. Huh. 3379, not, not too pleased with our baseball talk. I also like the other guys. All right, Cash or Trash, 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line. Cash or trash, you can play along, 713-780-3776. We always uh, go age before beauty here. So, Blankers, what do you got? What do you crap? What are you cashing? Astros are going to not only make the playoffs, Jose Abreu will be one of their three best hitters trash. in the postseason. <laughs> trash. Trash. He's going to be better than Altuve. Let's just go down the lineup. Altuve, Bregman, Jordan, Tucker, Uncle Mike, maybe. Uh, Yiner's not going to play. I think he, Chaz, Pena. No, I'm, 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 I wouldn't even say top five. Joe? I think you set the bar too high. I like it. I'm going to trash it trash. only because I think the bar is too high. Like, if you would have said top four, you probably could sell me on No, that. you couldn't. That, like, Tucker, Alvarez, I think some guys Altuve. are going to get pitched around. I think there's going to be lots of opportunities. I think he's going to get better pitches. And I, I like the fact that lately, he whether it was a back injury or not, it looks there's more there's more to resemble what he was even a year ago, or when we saw him in the playoffs when he could get key base hits and he was a, he had a good eye at the plate. And I just feel like for, and I, I, maybe I was too loyal to him all regular season too, but I really feel like because of how good this lineup's going to get, 
he's going to have ducks on the pond and opportunities to knock guys in, and he's going to take advantage of it. Yeah, I just can't give him top three. I mean, you got Altuve. Okay, well, then what, where would you, you put Bregman? I mean, five? I would five would be a better number, but I still. I mean, Yiner's playing time is a question here too, because I think if Yiner and Abreu had equal at bats, I'm going to side with Yiner over I worry Abreu. About post, first postseason for any young guy. Hey, I go talent over experience every single time. But Altuve, Bregman, Tucker, uh, Jordan. Look, Pena has heroics last year and has been hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chaz McCormick, can he carry it over? So I think five would have been the number. No way I can go top three. It's hot takes, man. That's what I'm doing. It's all right. I mean, I like it. That's so. all right. Speaking of uh, Astros and offense, they're pushing right now that the Astros club record for a catcher single season is Yiner Diaz has set the mark. No. Yiner is not the franchise record holder in most home runs as a catcher. They're trying to sell you that it's his primary position. That's the whole language they're using. Yiner Diaz has started 33 games of catcher, 32 at DH. So technically, yeah, it's his primary position. Evan Gaddis hit 32 home runs in 2016. Now, his primary position was DH, 68 games as a DH, 49 games as a catcher. But Evan Gaddis is going to catch more games than Yiner Diaz. He's going to have more home runs in a season than Yiner Diaz. Yet Yiner Diaz is the single-season home run record for a catcher. Also, Tony Adams on Twitter sent me this yesterday. Here are the home run totals for Astros home runs while they were catching. Because Yiner Diaz only has 10 home runs while he's catching. And they're trying to spin that he's the Astros franchise record holder for a catcher in a single season. He actually has fewer than Maldonado. Maldonado this year has 11 cat, eleven home runs as a catcher when he's catching. Diaz has 10. Maldonado has more home runs this year as a catcher than Yiner Diaz does. Yiner Diaz is not the single-season record holder for a catcher in Houston Astros history. Gaddis hit 19 as a primary catcher. McCann hit 18. Robinson Chirinos hit 17. Yiner Diaz is nowhere close. I, I mean, I like it. I, li- I don't know if we're going to get our credentials for the postseason, but... I like it. I, I mean, like can't be that mad at that. It is super reachy on that. Look, I, I guess I just don't understand why they're spinning it that way. Because it they're trying to, to they're me. trying to promote their own player. I get it. I get it. They're trying to promote their own current player. But aren't they but also trying to pave the way even more for him to be the catcher of the future? But everybody knows that. The, yeah. Every, like, this isn't a Yiner bash. This is like, why are you spinning well, this to I know. me? Yeah, well, like, I, I love Yiner. You know this. Yeah, but I, no, because when you ask the question, you know, are they that sensitive? I worked for an organization that was. I, I know that... The PR department gets that way. If, but you're right. I mean, you got to do it based on how what what you've done at the position while playing the actual position. I never wanted to see Evan Gaddis behind the plate. I always, I never really considered him like a, a really good catcher or a catcher that I would want to see behind the dish. But I know that he was McCann's backup. But yeah, look, I'll cash that. I think the fact is you got to be at the position to hit or and, and play that as much as you, more than you played any other position. To qualify. So I'll cash that. Joe. After losing. (laughs) Oh, sorry. After losing to Michigan for the third straight year, Ryan Day gets fired at the end of the season. Did you cash or trash? Uh, Yeah, you don't think you played along? I cashed. You didn't play along. I'm going to trash this. They're not moving from Ryan Day. You don't think so? He's been too good there. No way. He hasn't done nothing. Been too good there. I mean, he hasn't done nothing. What's he won? He's Doesn't matter, the, but he's got the, the Big Ten routinely. Well, not anymore. 
It's Michigan's house now. Michigan's pretty darn good, man. They're going to be real good this year. I was looking at some uh, list of uh, like top NFL prospects by position, and Michigan had like two dudes on every single one. Their quarterback, McCarthy, was top five. Their running backs, Quorum, and I forget the other guy, were one-two. The guy that got hurt before the... Yeah, Quorum. Yeah. The, they're one-two. Michigan's running backs are one-two in terms of NFL draft prospects in college football. Michigan has the top two in the country. I went on Quorum for a Heisman when I was out there in Vegas. I forgot to tell you that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting one. That's... To, to, I just can't see any way that Day gets fired. I, I think that, you know, being, like, handpicked from Herb and the fact that he's done more than enough. He's done... Has he, has he not done more than, than Harbaugh? Uh, in the Big Ten, it's an easy win, but they win. They win the Big Ten consistently. I, I just think it, I, I just don't think he's going to get fired. Maybe he might be on the hot seat because of how much they expect every single year, but I don't think he's going to get fired. Trash. There you go. What else you got? You got anything from? I don't. That, I don't have any more. Here's a here. here's a very very hot take. This one is uh, super hot takey. Super. How would I say this? Egregious. Over the top. Baseball should have the white towel throw in the towel rule like boxing does. Where the corner man in the dugout can just say, you know what, this is too much of a beating. I'm throwing in the towel. We're going to live to fight another day. As a matter of fact, we already have it, except it's not a specific rule. Bear Claw was an example of the white towel rule yesterday. How many times do you see 7th, 8th, ninth inning where you have a mop-up pitcher in the game trying to finish out the last six outs of a 15-run game? Position players pitching like they were in Detroit, like Martin Maldonado did the other day. If a team at any point of the game says, you know what, I don't want to burn up my pitching, I'm going to take the loss right here, right now, we're already going to lose this game anyways – Throw in the white towel in the seventh inning. Call it a day. Everybody's happy. The team guarantees a victory, so they're cool. The other team gets to save its bullpen, so they're cool. Let's add the white towel boxing rule into Major League Baseball. I'm going to trash it because I, I don't think trash. it's ever going to fly in terms of... But it'd be better game. Yeah, no, no question about it. But, you should be but, cashing but, it. But no, because the, the, the baseball community, uh, the powers that be with Rob Manfrod and everybody else, they care about the families. They care about the experience. They care about a family that, or a whole bunch of guys drinking beer. But either way, they're having a hell of a great time, and they know they've got a couple more innings to either drink or get their, you know, their cotton candy and their cracker jacks and enjoy baseball. And if you say that, oh, they threw the white tile and that's it. Thanks for coming, everybody. Go home. That's why they won't do it. Yeah, I'm not. I don't care about what they're going to do. This I'm is, telling them this is how they should do their jobs. I care about my take, not their take. Manfred's a fraud, anyways. He's an idiot. This would be better for the game. We're trying to shorten games. This would shave 30 minutes off of every blowout. This is really tough because, like, I, I I'm going to cash the idea and just ignore the logistics of it because of, of why it's impossible. Because honestly, when they start throwing position players out there, like it's just a waste of my time. Frankly, I think it should be a rule you can't do that. I think statistically it's tough, too, when you see guys hitting bombs and just yeah. teeing off on slow-pitch softball-like pitches that at the end of the year when you look at it, it, it inflates statistics unfairly, I think. Like, I would love for them to, like, have – like, you have to have a certain amount of bullpen pitchers on your taxi squad, and that's what they're only used for. Like, they're not minor league pitchers even. Like, almost like your bullpen catcher. Like so you're thinking Bracamonte can go in there and, and get a couple innings. Just give me, like, just give me like a throwaway guy. Like, give me, like, Seth Martinez – like, sorry, Seth, this is mean to you. You don't belong on the Astros anymore. You're just going to be on our taxi yeah, squad. And you're, not, like, you're not thinking this through, though, because that, that's not good for their development. It's all get Hunter Mashinsky. 
Okay, no, then just we'll, throw then, in a white towel. Then we'll get a bunch of Madison Bumgarners out there. Like, hey, we'll pay you a million dollars. That'd be, be kind of fun, actually. Or maybe there's a, what if there's like, a there's neutral? Like, there's what? like a legends rule. What if there's like a neutral mop guy? Up guy? What if there's a neutral all time pitcher? Yeah, you have the worst takes. <laughs> this is what? Yeah, this is this is worse than the white towel. Like Madison Bumgarner is going to be at the Astros game tonight. <laughs> if someone wants to throw a pitcher, a position player, Madison Bumgarner pitches for that team. Eight zero two nine. Cash or trash? Skip Bayless is missing Shannon Sharp because the new undisputed is straight trash. Uh, I don't think so yet, but I think that guys walking off the set <laughs> and getting into it. I don't think that he realized he was signing up for that. If you missed it, when Richard Sherman basically was saying that he said something about the fact that a corner is the a more intelligent. You have to be smarter to play corner than you do wide receiver. And Keyshawn and Michael Irvin walked off the set for a second. I don't think that Skip signed up for all that. I think he doesn't like not being the centerpiece. I'm not knowledgeable enough to answer this question because the next time I watch that show will be the first time I watch that show. I've only seen highlights, and I just think it's funny like watching all these guys just talk and Skip Bayless is just like sitting there. That's what I mean. I don't think he likes that at all. Yeah. Is Keith calling with a cash it or trash it? I don't think so. Is this, is, this our, is this the Keith that we already know? I think so. All right. Well, he can wait. We don't need How about to the, the fact, too, that it's like musical chairs? Keyshawn, ESPN guy, now he's on Fox. Sharp fact, uh, Fox guy, now he's on ESPN. Everybody's just shuffling the deck, and it's not getting any any better. I just can't get it on those shows. I just can't do it. 713-780-ESPN. That's cash it or trash it. you have anything that you want to cash or trash, uh, tweet him at Pac-Manjul. He'd love to hear from you. All right, NFL. Rank the divisions in the NFL from best to worst. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN. Divisions in the NFL from best to worst. Last year... You had a bunch of good divisions. You also had some lousy divisions. Hello, South, in both conferences. Who do you have at the top, Blankers? What is the toughest division in the NFL? Man, um, to me, it could be the AFC East. As much as we say the West with the Chiefs, I mean, it's top-heavy, and, and we, we know that the Chargers are you know a sexy pick to keep moving up and, and doing more. But to me, because of the addition to Rodgers to the Jets, and the Jets were already a good football team, and Miami has loaded up, and Buffalo is a Super Bowl contender, and the Patriots, now that they have a real offensive, well, a somewhat real offensive coordinator, but I think that you know they're not going to be you know slouches by any means, coached by Belichick. They still are going to be you know decent. I, I, I would start with the, the AFC East and say I. I think that's the the strongest division in in the NFL. I have them at the top of my list too. I think the NFC, the AFC East just doesn't have a a bad team. And I think that they have legitimate Super Bowl contenders. Yes, contenders. I I think the Buffalo Bills are obviously contender. I think the New York Jets are a contender with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, I think that they're going to be really good. They have tons of talent around Aaron Rodgers. I think Rodgers is going to have a great year. It's a playoff team. I think they could get hot. I think they could be a team that is a dark horse Super Bowl contender. You're right. The Patriots are going to be solid. Like Even with as poor as that roster is going to be, Bill Belichick is going to find ways to be competitive to win football games. He got to the playoffs two years ago with Mac Jones as a rookie and now has a real – he has a quote-unquote real offensive coordinator after having Matt Patricia and Joe Judge call plays for them last season. And then Miami's good, man. Like If Tua can stay healthy, big if. But Tyreek Hill, one of the best receivers in football. Jalen Waddle's fantastic. And that's a team that's going to have – 
uh, a good running game no matter what. And I know they don't run it a ton last year, but they're going to be a team that has uh, really, really good. Your boy, the mad scientist, too, is a really good offensive mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's a dangerous team. I think Miami's dangerous. So that that's those are four teams that I think are going to be at minimum solid. I think that the Dolphins could be a dark horse playoff team. Probably not even that dark horse, if we're being completely honest. Buffalo's a Super Bowl contender year in, year out. Jets are a Super Bowl contender year in, year out. Any objection, Joe George, to the AFC East top division in the NFL? No, that's how I did it. I did it based on teams I think can make the playoffs and win at least one game, and I went 4-4 four for four in that division, so they're number one for me. Okay. All right. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Uh, second, I have the AFC North. I'm going two AFC teams right, or conferences right out of the gate. We know the AFC is stronger than the NFC. Baltimore, playoff team potentially. Cincinnati, potential Super Bowl team. Yep. Cleveland, eh, I think they're a potential playoff team. And I think Pittsburgh, if they have some – look, Tomlin's never had a losing season. Pickett's in year two. It's a young core around Kenny Pickett. That's a team that could be a winning team as well. AFC North is uh, a gauntlet. AFC North is very, very good. I have them second. Yeah, I, I, I thought about them at second, and I it was to me it, I, I was leaning that way for a while. But when you look at it, and I just go division top to bottom, I, I look at it and say, look, I, I think that the the as as bad as the NFC is overall, but I, I'll look at a team at a division that we constantly looked at as the NFC least, and I'll go, I'll say the NFC East is a division to me because Philly's a Super Bowl contender. They should be the favorite in the NFC coming out. Dallas has everybody talking Super Bowl. Giants made the playoffs a year ago, and Washington has everything but a quarterback. And as much as do I think Sam Howell right out right on the jump again is going to just take the reins and run with it and be the difference that a veteran couldn't be in Washington? Probably not. But top to bottom, the way that that division stacks up with three potential playoff teams, two with Super Bowl aspirations, and a team that has another the rest of the roster that's decent, I'll say the NFC. East. I went back and forth on that one. Because I had the NFC East I did the three, same. the two and three was very very tight with me with the North and the NFC East. And you bring you bring up really good points. The reason that I gave the AFC East or the AFC North the edge over the NFC East is because I just think the AFC is better than the NFC. That's, I agree. Where do where do you go with this, Joe? Break the tie for us. AFC North, NFC East. Oh, I have to break a tie. Yeah, that's what we do. Oh, I don't get to have my own list. You're, you're, you don't have ours? one of those two conferences or one of those two divisions in your top your second. You're going to say it's the the AFC West, aren't you? Because the the Chargers and the Chiefs yeah. are so good. Yeah, I saw that coming. Like I, I know the Broncos and the Raiders are meh. They both but suck. Like, yeah, they were terrible. Last I know, year. but like the top of that is so good. And that's like, a fair. You, that's fair. If you get the best out of Jimmy Garoppolo, which isn't great, you oh, still have boy. Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. You still have Max Crosby, one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. What if Russell Wilson's good? So I went AFC West if we're not going to play that game. I'm going to go AFC North. I'll break the tie down. bet on ifs, buts, candies, and nuts instead I of a, like the whole totality of the division. I know, well, but like, I, I just, mean, this is kind of like the quarterback room conversation, right? Like, Pat Mahomes could be in a quarterback room with Blank and Joe George, and that's the best quarterback room in the NFL, right? Because Pat Mahomes is in that quarterback room. If Kansas City is going to be a dominant Super Bowl champion, go back to back, then does it matter who's in the rest of the division? So I, I see where Joe's coming from here. I mean, look, it I had depends the, on our grading system though, too. But we're just taking total wins from a division, and well, things we like never that. really defined it. Right. So I mean, it's it's kind of to each their own. I, I did have the AFC West fourth, so I don't think it's crazy that the AFC West would be second for Joe, especially if he's going. Look, Kansas City's the best team in the NFL, and they're going to win the Super Bowl. So give me the AFC West. Did you have a uh, AFC North, NFC East in your top four? The, those the, I have AFC North three. NFC East four. Okay, so we all have the same top four in a little bit different order. Let's get to the bottom half of the NFL. Do you want to go worst here? Do you want to go worst four? I think we yeah. should reverse based order based on time. Okay, 
Well, I mean, we have plenty of time to get to all four, but we go reverse order. I think it's more entertaining. What is the worst division in the NFL? It's a good question. I think it really a, is. I think it's a two-division race. It is. I a two-division race. I really think the NFC West is really bad with besides the Niners. Okay, but, see, that wasn't my two divisions I was thinking about. Uh, well, I think they're really bad. I, I, I don't think – I obviously don't believe in the North the way some people do. I still haven't – teams – but Minnesota and Detroit are good. How is the NFC North worse than the AFC South, though? I think – I think well, yeah. Well, AFC South? See, I actually have the AFC South as my worst division in the NFL. I think the NF, I think the NFC South could be the worst division. I that was the, one I was fighting. I with. have the NFC South as my last one, just yeah. because even though I think the Saints could be better with Derek Carr, they're still objectively terrible. Yeah, I don't think they're going like, anywhere, like, even if they I make love the playoffs. Olave, objectively like, terrible? I don't think they're good. You don't think they're good? I don't think they're good. I think they're going to win their division. I think they're going to be a double-digit team. But here's the thing but with like, the AFC South, though. Is there a team that's objectively good in the AFC South? Jacksonville won nine games last I, year I in a poor division. Good. I think Jacksonville's the best team in the division. Yeah. I don't think they're way better than the best team in the NFC South, which is the Saints. Yeah. I think the Saints are the best team in the South. I think the Jags are the best team in the South. They play head-to-head. I think it's a coin flip game. Say, if you go head-to-head, but then you got to go head-to-head in the division. Who's the, right. if, is Tennessee the second-best team in the South? I would argue yes. Okay. I would so argue then, yes. So then who's the... I think they match up the, after that. Tennessee, Atlanta, very similar teams. Tampa Bay, I think they're going to have a bit of a drop-off. Carolina has a rookie quarterback, much like the, the Texans do. Like Tampa Bay, I think, is equivalent with, Indy, with, uh, with the Colts. Carolina, I think, is better than the Texans, as a matter of fact. I think, the, I think the Saints are better than the Jags, and I think the Falcons are better than the Titans. I'm going. What. I'm going AFC South worst. NFC. Look, this is you know sisters of the poor. I'm going NFC South yeah. second worst. AFC South worst. The only reason why I say the NFC West is in that discussion. Arizona's going to mail it in all year, and they're not. And Kyler Murray may never see the field because they don't want to. They don't want to even put him out there, and they don't know what they're. They're just going to. They're looking at picks. I think Seattle's going to have a huge drop off. I think Geno Smith was fool's gold. He had a great year. I just don't believe in Geno Smith. I think the Rams are going to be god-awful, and now Stafford's wife is talking for Stafford about a disconnect with him and players and mm-hmm. all these other things. The Niners are the only saving grace in that entire that's division. That's the thing. Like, if you put those three divisions into one giant pool, that's a 12-team pool, team in all San Francisco's easily yep. going number one. Yep. So, if, like, that's my—and this is kind of the Joe theory of why he had the AFC West so high. If I'm putting those 12 teams into a pool and I'm trying to pick the best team from that pool, it's easily San Francisco. Yep. It's unanimous— San Francisco. So that's why I gave the NFC West the edge over the yeah. NFC South, AFC South. But I did have the NFC West after the NFC North. And I, and I don't actually. think that there's you know much of a chance of this happening. But if Purdy somehow just falls off or just in, you know sophomore jinx, whatever it is, in year two or his health-wise, he's not ready and Darnold is the guy they have to rely on. I don't think – I think they're fine, actually. I think, you know, I think there's too many weapons on both sides of the football. But I, I just think – there's there's that chance, but you're right. If you put them all in a, into a, the hopper and you say you, you got to have a draft, well, then the Niners are easily going for it. I, I kind of want to see Sam Darnold play start eight games. I think with a with a good football team, think, he could do what Purdy does. I think he'd be I think he'd be all right. I, you know, I I've talked right. about this ad nauseum about the fact that yeah, you can you can criticize what he hasn't done since he got to the league where, where he was picked, but when you have all those coaches, all those offensive coordinators, all those systems he had to learn and just hopping around and and, and all the interchangeable parts, it's not conducive to a successful quarterback. To put him in a situation like that with everything around him on both sides of the ball, I think he could do that. 
Yeah, I I, I kind of want to see it. All right, where did we go wrong? 713-780-ESPN. What is the best division in the NFL? What's the worst division in the NFL? Christian Javier, out of the playoff rotation, right? Is he off the playoff roster? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. We'll get to the, uh, the Javier discussion in just a moment. Uh, the Texans haven't made their official releases, all of that. Um, Kenyon Green does start the season on the IR. You called that one. I mean, you were spot on to that one, and I think it's the best for both both cases. Kenyon uh, Green's on the IR. It is the best for the Texans to protect the kid with, if you have a better option, and that remains to be seen. But based on what we've seen, he needs to regroup, and if he has to get healthy, that be so be it too. And that you can't do that to to, to Stroud. Now I don't know who the starting left guard is going to be because I thought it would be Michael Dieter. Michael Dieter has been released by the Houston Texans, so your left guard depth chart right now is a mystery. Maybe it's I Kendrick Green who you just traded somebody. with today. I, I hope so too. But like even then, you're going to start a guy at left guard that joined the team today. Or tomorrow, like it's on, not, man. it's not great. It's not great. So I have no idea what they're doing at left guard. Uh, they also released Wait, time out. Yeah, this means Kenyon Green's out for the year. No, I think no. you can. I That's think you what can. Field Yates just said. I thought you could bring guys back off the IR. Yeah, you, you, there's. I don't know if you can before the season. I think this is right. I think Kenyon Green's out for the season. Mm, I don't think that's right. You can IR so you can. Oh you, no, no, it does. He that is correct. That is correct. If a player is placed on this list before the regular season oh, begins, the, oh. he's forced to miss the entire year. Kenyon Green's. We talked. We said it earlier. I think there's a chance that Kenyon Green gets redshirted this year. Wow, Nick, how do you look now? Redshirted from what? He just stinks. He's hurt. He, he couldn't get into shape. Off-season injuries. This is so weird. Is it though. Both or one or the other? Because I it, think his feelings are hurt because he can't play. I think that you're right. He may be hurt. But he can't play. But you know what's weird about this? He was left guard one a week ago. Like, he was your starting left guard a week ago, and now he's out for the entire year. I mean, maybe he actually is really hurt on, like, when he, like, looked like he was, like, when he got smoked, and then he was, like, holding his arm. On the spin dance move? Yeah, like, maybe something, like, actually happened. But this is bad. I mean, this is a guy that last year wasn't any good, and then now he's not going to play this year. All right, so preseason. And you damn well better hope he gets right. Preseason IR, you're out for the year. Uh, the pup, you get four weeks, How, but you can only bring back what two players a year. I think only off normal the pup. IR or okay, so pup, you can bring back anybody. I believe so. And right now, only Charlie Hack is on the pup. That is, I cannot believe that Kenny Green two that, weeks we ago was left guard one, and this now is he's official been, from the Houston. Yeah, Texans. It's from the Texans. So Kenyon Green's 2023 season is over. Man, I'm, Nick Casario, you got some explaining to do, and that's a bad look for you. I mean, you. if it's injury, I mean, if it, yeah. I mean, he has to be injury. Like, you can't just place the guy on the IR and not have an injury. Okay, well, I mean, yeah, the players' association is going to totally allow that. Well, he's getting paid. I don't think they're going to they're going to push back on it right away. But I, I just, I would think that they would have waited. And if there was a chance, maybe it is. Maybe it's legitimate enough to be out for the whole year. I didn't see anything that made it that way. But I mean, it's he a played. Bad look. He played against the Saints. Yeah, it's a bad look. He played against the Saints, and now he's out for the. I mean, maybe he tore his his pec on that block, like. I'm I'm very curious to know what the injury is for Kenyon Green, but we do know that Kenyon Green's season is over. It's just discomfort. Mm. It's just a, a excruciating discomfort. That's I mean that's, that's huge news. That's huge news. It is. It they really were, is. They released Dieter, so you have no idea who your left guard is. Uh, we already knew that Desmond King used. We knew that Christian Kirksey used. Jacob Martin 
perhaps a surprise little surprising. Cut. Yeah, when you were talking, when you and you were listening to the broadcast and watching how pleased they were with him in his in his second go round with the Texans, how his pass rush was effective, and they thought that it was something that they could utilize in a D'Amico system. A little surprising. Yeah, I'm surprised by that one. Uh, he he was starting with Will Anderson. In you and I talked about depth. Game. Even if you, you're going to Jerry Hughes, or you, you like to have guys situationally be able to rush the quarterback, and he could have been one of those guys. They did release Steven Sims, which I'm happy for. I was scared he was going to make the roster and be the return specialist. They also, we mentioned they, re- they released King. So I think Tank Dell is your return guy. That's, I that's, think he's your kick returner. I think nope. he's your punt returner, which is great. Uh, let's see, other waves that uh, stick out, nothing too significant. You know, Kobe Francis. I hope that he can make the practice squad, but nothing else significant. Kenyon Green's season is done. No idea who the left guard's going to be. That draft pick for Nick Casario continues to look worse and worse by the day. Not great. Uh, They did trade for Kendrick Green. Who knows what's going to happen? Who knows who the left guard is? 713-780-ESPN. Let's go out to the HRP listener line. Vera, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's up, Vera? Hey guys, appreciate you uh, letting me call in and uh, give my two cents. So, um, Kenyon, yeah, Kenyon Green is starting to look increasingly like a like a bad pick. He seemed like consensus among the best guards of last year's class, but I think that goes to show that you know college and picking what we think are the best players is still sort of a crapshoot. That said, um, I don't. Is Jimmy Morrissey still there on the roster? No, they released him today too. Morrissey's been released. Okay. So maybe it's Jared Patterson. Uh, I know Josh Jones has never played at left guard with Arizona, so maybe they're going to move Shaq Mason over to left guard and let Jack, uh, Josh Johnson play right guard, assuming Titus is back week one. Um, so that, that could be one thing. Um, I think the other that I was, I'm still surprised to see was maybe the Cameron Dantzler pick in the, in the last play against the Saints probably sealed it for, for Desmond King. Um, but I think it'll be interesting to see what they do unless they already have somebody in mind they want to. They're hoping to pick up on waiver wire on the offensive line backup. So uh, um, thank you, and I'll, I'll, I'll hang up and listen, guys. Appreciate it, Vera. I hope that you still have uh, ownership of your Twitter handle. Uh, Cameron Dantzler also was waived. So the Texas, I, we said three new players after today's cut down to 53. It might be like eight. Like they've released some guys that we thought were going to make the fifty-three, where they're now going to have to sign players to fill out the back end. Now the overs looking, good. the overs looking really good now. The over, y'all both took the under. My overs looking great yeah. now. Hate um, to say it, but that's right. Because yeah, you would think that. Okay, I said that I was hoping that they had their eye on at least one more offensive lineman. Maybe it's more than that. I, I mean. I'm shocked with the Kenyon Green IR. I didn't think his season was going to be done. I thought they were going to pup him. Uh, not familiar with the IR rule preseason. I'm stunned by Dieter because I thought he would be your starting left guard. I have no idea what the offensive line is going to look like in week one. No idea. You can bring him back if like, you have to, right? Vera you, mentioned, maybe, yeah, but even then, like, why are you waving him, though? Like, if you're counting on him to be your starter week one, you're not waving him. Because you probably think that there's better options out there, but if all else fails, at least the guy has practiced with you and been with you all camp. Right, but then you keep them. Either you keep them, and then whenever you claim a guy, you cut them. Yeah, I, I am mean, surprised. My hope with with this is that like, they must feel confident that Titus Howard's going to be ready to play. Week one? I know. But, but he's like, also a right tackle. Like, he's a no, right tackle, like, and you're talking about interior so you're gonna, offensive line. You're going to George, like, George Fant, Fant, put Fant Jones. over at left guard? I don't think Fant's ever played inside. I mean, okay. I, they have to have their eyes is on there any, He's got to. Is there any chance? They're going to do this song and dance with Titus Howard? I would like to think that they're not because they gave Ooh, him big money. You mean the musical chairs thing again? I mean, it's They did like, it last year. Like, I you know. put someone else, you put Fant at right tackle, 
and Titus is your left guard. Like that just seems insane after paying him. Uh huh. But I'm, like, and then Shaq Mason, like what Vera said, he hadn't played left guard since his rookie year. Like he's a right guard, and you traded for him and gave him money. Like I don't think you're, you're moving him so Josh Jones, who you traded for for a fifth round pick, can play right guard. No, and, and this is when Campman was their O line coach. Remember when I said I had such a big pet peeve about musical chairs on the O line, and you can't. I don't think you uproot multiple guys from their natural position or their best position. Uh, I think you're trying to solidify everything. They have to have their eye on the left guard. Yeah, this is uh, this looks concerning. Like you have a rookie, maybe they have a trade already worked, and out. you have no idea your left guard. They made a trade today. Well, maybe they have another one. Usually, those don't happen after the cutdown, though. Usually, but before you also the don't cutdown. do stuff like this and leave yourself with your pants down. At a specific position, but if you're going to make a trade, are. you're going to do it before the 53s and out. Because, like, you technically you can get the like you can get your so the the Bears have rights to the first four players in waiver claims. They like it's four players at a time, basically. So the Texans can get the next four if the Bears take four guys. So you get up to four guys, up to four guys. I think I think the Kazari is going to use every single one of them. So it's like, but you're but still you're right. if you put in for four guys and then the Bears take two of them, like you're just left with scraps. So I guess just oh, so you have to put it and then they run it. I think so. Okay, so if you put in four that are exactly the Bears, I then you get then you get nothing. But yeah. if you put in four unique guys that aren't the Bears, yeah. you get four guys. Yeah, that's interesting. That's much different than baseball. Yeah, they do it very weird like this after this initial cut. It's gonna be fast. I think the waivers run tomorrow around noon. It might maybe noon Eastern. So it should be pretty fascinating to see who the Texans add. But this is. Bizarre. There is a massive sense of urgency right I'm, now. I'm in disbelief. I don't know what the Texans are going to do on their offensive line. No clue. 713-780-ESPN. 713-780-3776. Um, Patriots got anybody they can trade for? because well, They don't have a quarterback. Yeah, they, tra- they the Patriots cut all but one quarterback off their roster today. So maybe they, they got anybody on the offensive line Davis and maybe Mills. Davis Mills goes that way? Josh from Seabrook. How is Tyler Lindenbaum with the Ravens? We could have had him instead of Kenny Green. He's been really good. He's been really good. He's been a center, too. Maybe they love Jared Patterson. <laughs> maybe they love Jared Patterson. Oh, boy. A rookie six-rounder. Golden Domer. Joe's favorite. I think Joe's going to get a, a Patterson jersey, as a matter Hard of fact. Hard pass. 713-780-ESPN. Joe just gave us the I'm done at the buffet face on that one. He was like, big puffy cheeks. Look, you it. should have saw this coming, though. Like, right now, with this offensive line, your win total for the Texans should be subtracted by at least one, probably two. But when you looked at it with all the moves they were making and the trade to get Shaq and, 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 and taking care of Howard and doing the things that they were doing, you had a great feeling that at least... I mean, we had DJ Bienemy in here talking about the fact that they could have, what would you say, one of the top ten best offensive lines? Like yeah, This takes a huge hit to that. Yeah, it, it, this is not what you that. signed up for. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line, get Keith in here. Keith, you're in the hive with the Killer Bees. What's going on, Keith? Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. 30 minutes on hold. I'll allow it. You guys are in the Hang up on five. Keith. Hang up. Like, Keith, Keith, you're not going to call into the Killer Bees and run the Killer Bees. Let's go ahead and make that precedent right now. You might have gotten away with that in the past. You're not getting away with that with the Killer Bees. You're not going to sit here and complain about how long you're on hold. I guess I'll... You know who's doing the allowing? Blankers and yeah, no I spokes are doing this, the allowing. You no know spokes here. Keith, we were being nice. We were going to keep you on hold for 60 minutes. We didn't like what you wanted to talk about. It wasn't It wasn't relevant to what we were talking about. But out of the kindness of our hearts, because we like you, Keith, well, maybe not Blankers, but we were going we to talk to you for a few minutes. But you, you get on here and you start running your mouth about how long you're on hold, saying I'm going to... No! No, you're not the authority 
of the Killer Bees. Only Joe George is the authority of the Killer Bees. Seven one three. Pauly, you want the Paul Galat show? Wasn't Paulie's uh, go to before he was the most interactive? Wasn't he the shortest wait times? Who had the shortest wait times? I don't know. I don't know. Seven one three. Joe, you remember that? Someone here did. Shortest wait times in the business. I don't know if that's a good thing. Oh, it might have been Raheezy. Shortest wait wait times in the business. I mean, is that good? Like, don't you want to go to a place that has a wait? It means that it's good. You're talking about restaurant-wise. I mean, anything. I mean, anything. Otherwise, I'm annoyed by a wait. 713-780-3776. Let's go out to the HRMP listener line. Uh, Gary, you're in the hive of the Killer Bees. What's up, Gary? Hey, what's up, guys? Congrats on the new time slot. I am... I am back for this news about Kenyon Green, um, and I just want to point to Nick Casario. <laughs> I knew that um, was I've been coming. on this quest. <laughs> now, I've been on this quest for a long time, but you draft a, a O lineman, an interior offensive lineman at 15 overall, it had better work out. And this is looking like this is going to be a disaster. Um, not to even mention Mechie, right? I'm not, I could go on, but I just wanted to call. I usually used to call during lunch, but. This is just more evidence on the Casario. Like, he has to go. Like, that's the last step, and I think we can move forward. Thanks a lot. Yeah, appreciate it, Gary. I can understand why you're calling in to blame Casario because it does not look good right now. Uh, I will try to defend Casario for a second. Can can we – look, you didn't have a great rookie year, but can we blame Casario a whole lot when it's an injury? Can we blame him a whole lot when there's it's an injury-related reason to why he's not going to be on the 53? Like, don't we have to see it play out with Kenyon Green? Do we have to see what it looks like next year? He's still under contract for next year, the year after that? I don't know. I don't know if I can defend this a what's, whole lot. It yeah, was not a good – it was a questionable uh, pick at the time. It was really questionable throughout Kenyon Green's poor rookie year. And look, now, even if it's injury-related, he's out for the season. The only way you legitimize this move, right, is if it is, like, legitimately – a season-ending injury, like a torn something, a rotator, or you know, when you when you say upper body and the way he reacted with his shoulder. But other than that, I just don't know how you legitimize it and say anyone can feel good about Casario. Obviously, it was questionable where they took it, uh, as Gary said, an interior lineman that high, and then guys that were similar position-wise playing better. But then to have this, this is ugly. 713-780-ESPN. Texans roster down to 53. Kenyon Green is on the IR. His 2023 season, his sophomore season, is done before it ever Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. 713-780-ESPN. Uh, Texans fan base right now, not too pleased with the Kenyon Green news. Kenyon Green's been placed on IR, which IR before the season means that your season is done. I did not expect that with Kenyon Green. I I thought he would start on the pup list. I thought he'd be gone for the first four weeks, get him conditioned, get him up to speed. Look, I mean, I I wonder at what point the Texans decided to go this route. Maybe it was an injury in the Saints. Maybe that little Olay blocking that he had where the defenders just spun right around him like he didn't exist. Maybe he really did get hurt on that play. Maybe he tore his peck on that play. But Because it couldn't be before the Saints game where you're like, yeah, we're going to IR Kenyon Green. Because up to that point, Kenyon Green had been running with the ones the entire preseason, the entire training uh, training camp except for day one. Dieter started that game, who then was he was waived today, and then Kenyon Green played in that game. So it, if it wasn't an injury on that specific play, that is kind of weird. And then if it wasn't an injury on that specific play, I think they had a like hard discussion. 
They came together and like, look, Kenyon Green's not going to help us this entire year. The best interest of Kenyon Green, the best interest of the Houston Texans is that Kenyon Green red shirts this year, gets healthy, gets conditioned, gets in shape, and is ready to go next season. Yeah, and I think to your point about, you know, you can't get by the Players Association if you do that. If you had a conversation with him that said basically just what you just said, I think that he and his agent would probably sign up for that because they know that it wasn't good. They know the tape that they've seen in preseason this year was similar to the tape of a year ago all season when we were asking, is he going to get better? Can he can he pass block? Can he learn, and is he going to progress? And is he going to get tighter and stronger and put on some muscle? There's so many more question marks than any answers that maybe there was a conversation so that maybe he can understand that there is a ton of work to do to try to be <clears throat> excuse me, a serviceable or better offensive lineman at this level. But my God, it's embarrassing right now. I, I would hope, and I don't wish injury on anybody, but in this case, there better be a legitimate injury or else there was a discussion. Yeah, this is uh, weird news. Weird news. Um, who said this? I think it was, oh yeah, Fishing with Dana. Fishing with Dana says, uh, remember the A-plus grade the Texans got for that draft? Kind of funny. I don't remember I don't that, remember but I'll, that I'll, take his, I'll take Dana's word for that. Or I'll take his word for that. Um, this is why draft grades are useless. Like if you're if you're somebody who celebrates draft grades, that you you need to get your priorities in order. Draft grades mean nothing. You know what matters? Four years after the draft, uh, seeing how it plays out. Because a lot of people, hey, we love Kenyon Green. Okay, well, his first two years have been a major disappointment. Um, it's like the the last draft as well for the Houston Texans. Well, we love this because we got Stroud and we got Will Anderson. Well, let's see how it plays out in four years because that's when you is can evaluate the draft. I don't four think years? so because four years is their rookie contract. Okay, but I mean, most of the time when you know you've got legit players, you can see it within a year to two years when you know, right? Like you know, if you take a guy in the first or second round, that within two years' time, are they either are they starting already? Are, are they showing you know? glimpses of being really special or at least a quality starter, above average player. I think four years almost seems too long for me. But, yeah, sometimes there's a guy that's a late bloomer. But I, I would say two after two years, I could pretty much know what I've got. I think you can get a really good tell. I think you can get a really good tell after a couple of years. The reason I say four is because of the contract. Sure. Like, like, let's just go ahead and see how the entire contract plays out before we, like, look at the 2022 draft class. I don't think we should be grading Kenyon Green yet, as a matter of fact. Now, does it look good today for Nick Casario? Absolutely not. Nick Casario... Whenever he drafted Kenyon Green, traded down and drafted Kenyon Green, it was seemed like a major risk then, and he was criticized for it being what? a major risk then. He had a bad rookie season, so it continued to look like a bad draft pick, and then now he's done for the year. He's not going to play a single snap in 2023, so it again looks like a bad draft pick. Now, this is like pie in the sky. Probably not very realistic, but if Kenyon Green like gets his act together and comes back next year and he's like a standout left guard that you can trust and he does that in his fourth year as well, then I think we can sure. spin the Kenyon Green draft pick a little bit differently than we are right this second. Not that this was make or break in year two, but there was a whole lot to prove in year two that everybody was going to focus on and keep an eye on. Because not only that, but because he was arguably the weakest link aside from center on that entire offensive line that was revamped and solidified to protect C.J. Stroud. So you knew that not only because of the importance of the line this year because of Stroud, but you knew that because of all the underachieving he did a year ago that he was going to get scrutinized and he was going to be in the crosshairs and he was going to be a guy that had to be counted on and had to take a step forward. The fact that you're not going to see him all season, 
man, it's got bust written all over it. You're right. He could come back next year and be, you know, stronger and, and better and, and more have a, have a better grasp of NFL football. That's a lot to ask of that kid. This is halftime of Kenyon Green's career. Like, it should only be the end of the first quarter, but he's literally not going to play a game this year. So you're halfway through his four-year contract. It's halftime of Kenyon Green's rookie contract, and the first half went as poor as it possibly could. You don't feel good that the second half's going to turn out your way. Um, Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Maybe we're going to look back at Kenyon Green as a a terrible bust. King of Twitch says, has Nick Casario ever won a trade? What trades have Nick Casario won? I'm not sure Nick Casario has won a trade, if I'm being completely honest. I can't – look, a lot of people would point to the number three pick trade. Like, it certainly made a lot of people excited. I'm not sure that Nick Casario has ever won a trade. Like, I can't you think of one You know the one that, that we'll disagree on because it, there wasn't really a tough – there wasn't a clear-cut way to win it. I always give him at least credit for the way he maneuvered through the Watson trade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I say that. I say an idiot could have gotten three first-rounders for Deshaun Watson. You yeah, had four teams. Nothing out of you it. had four teams banging on your door saying, "I'm giving you three first rounders for Deshaun Watson." I don't think I it was just gave him credit for the fact that he had he had as much as you looked like you had zero control on that entire process. You at least had pre pre worked out, pre discussed, and worked out trades with all those teams to at least know you were going to get a pretty decent haul. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the way that he negotiated the uh, Mulligetti thing was was admirable. Um, you know, being able to at least massage that relationship to where you know he was somewhat tradable. I mean, he was very tradable. Four teams were willing to give three first round draft picks, but I think anybody could have gotten three first round draft well, picks. Well, it's great. Like it's great if you have the picks, but like if Kenyon Green, you know, yeah, if you miss on the picks, I guess I guess you give like Will Anderson credit to that deal. Yeah, because you, you trade know? it up, and then whatever you get next year, like if you get two out of three or bust, like. Then you still you well, might have at, at the beginning won the trade, and also um, and I, I know how at least half the room feels about Aaron Wilson, um, but <laughs> reports are he reports that he has a shoulder tear and is going to have surgery. Kenyon Green, I guess okay. it happened on that play. Yeah, yeah. Then maybe it did. Yes, I, I think he already had shoulder issues too, though. Yeah, they had already said in camp that he had some upper body issues, but it really looked the way he came up that lame off of that spin. Maybe it has to be that play. Yeah. By, by the way, Joe, to what you're, you were saying, though, I, I think the other thing is because of this move and because of what we were just talking about as Nick won a trade but what, and what he's done as a general manager, ton more pressure on, on everybody watching Stingley now because now he could have screwed up the entire first round. I think, I think Nick Casario, everything that he does is going to be heavily scrutinized because, look, I, I've been on the fence about Casario. Uh, I think that he's done some things pretty good. I don't think he makes good trades. His draft has been kind of – you know, 50-50. Stingley, I wanted sauce, but if Stingley has a really good year, that's a lot of ifs with Nick Casario. I just think that's a lot what I'm saying. Nick, I now, think... the ones that he hit was Damian Pierce. Like, yeah. he hit Damian Pierce. I don't think Davis Mills was a bad draft pick. Like, you Pete get a third-round quarterback that starts NFL games, that's pretty significant. Like, look at the quarterbacks that were drafted around Davis Mills. Kellen Mond is on, what, his third team. Mm-hmm. Like, Davis Mills in that spot was, was okay. Now, he's only a backup quarterback in the NFL. Damian Pierce was a hit. Jalen Petrie looks to be a really good draft pick. Christian Harris was a good pick where you Christian got him. Christian Harris was a good pick. Uh, Mechie does not appear to be a good pick. Tank appears to Did be a good trade pick. Up to get Mechie too? I give him yeah. a pass on yeah. Mechie. You traded up to get Mechie, you traded up to get Nico. Yeah, I mean, you could probably should give him a pass on Mechie. Mechie's the only one that, like, even but if Mechie never understand. plays. Like, but you that just... pass, I think, has to run out after this year. Like, I think Mechie, you have to count on, like, I don't know. It's so hard because, like, I did him in the stock down, but, like, I don't know how you punish Nick Casario for, like, John Mechie getting sick. Like, you just yeah. can't. No, you can't, but I think that. We're, push- we're punishing him for Kenny Green having shoulder issues. But that's a real, that's a football injury. 
I think and he, he sucked last year. Look, yeah, that's, that's why I think there's so much more scrutinizing that's going to be done to Stingley because now if he swings and misses on both of his first-round picks that year and you know legitimately there was someone better that you could have had that plays the exact same position, and then on top of it, Green just completely crapping the bed, it's a horrible look. Uh, great. 713-780-ESPN-HRP listener line. Let's get back to the Javier conversation we had hijacked. Uh, is he out of the playoff rotation? I think we all know the answer to that. Is he off the roster entirely if you make it to the playoffs? 713-780-ESPN. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. My colleague, U of H class of 1990, used to protect uh, a Heisman Trophy winner. Now he wants to protect your business, and he's been protecting interest of businesses for nearly 25 years. HRP provides comprehensive human capital management services, including HR compliance, benefits administration, and payroll. HRP will also work with you to customize a plan for whatever you need. There's nothing cookie cutter about HRP. If you need a little help, a lot of help, or anything in between, HRP will create a plan for what you and your business needs. Also, their customer service is second to none. Uh, There isn't a stranger on the other side of the line. You'll be calling someone that's familiar with you, familiar with your company. I can speak to that customer service. Anytime I have a question, I always get a quick response that's quick and easy to understand. Let HRP take on the demands of human resources. Eliminate your HR burden so you can get back to growing your business. Give them a call at 281-880-6525 and let HRP customize a plan for you. 281-880-6525 or check them out at hrp.net. That's hrp.net. ESPN 97.5 and that's provoked. Here's Joel and Jeremy. U of H takes on UTSA on Saturday. Celebrate the first game as members of the Big 12. So caller number 12, 713-780-3776. You will win a pair of tickets to the U of H game on Saturday, September 2nd. You can also get a family four-pack, four tickets, four hot dogs, four chips, four sodas, all for just $60 family value. Uh, head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets or call 713-GO-COUGS to get your tickets today. Tickets also start at just $20. So really good game coming up Saturday, 6 o'clock, TDCU Stadium, U- University of Houston, uh, UTSA, who's top 30 in the AP, receiving votes, had one of the best college football games a year ago, triple overtime thriller at the Alamo Dome. We'll rematch at TDCU Stadium on Saturday. Christian Javier was not very good yesterday, Blankers. Uh, Christian Javier has not been very good this year. Well, his first few starts were pretty good. His last month and a half, two months have been a disaster, especially after you paid him in the offseason. He's not He's not in the playoff rotation if the playoffs were to start today, right? He's right. not one of the four starters. We can all agree on that. Yes. Going Verlander, going Fromber, going J.P. France. Hunter Brown was better in his last start. J.P. France got hammered against the Red Sox but in his last start. Really good. I'm very curious to see what he looks like today. Tonight's big. Like if he battles back and today he's good, responds nicely. I'm willing to forget about that performance his last start. Now, if he's shaky today, it's like okay, is this a trend? Is the magic well, running out? Plus, there were you know the discussion post game. There was questions about was he tipping? He was going to go back and look at it. But he's was he was too good for too long to have this suddenly have this abrupt of an of a one eighty for him. But I am very very anxious to watch the game tonight and see he comes same team too. So I want to see him come out and get better results. And hopefully it was just something mechanical that he was tipping or he, he was doing differently. And hopefully he writes a ship because he's been arguably your best most consistent pitcher all season. Yeah, I mean, I, I hope that he can write the ship. Like, how he performs today is going to go a long way when we kind of, 
you know, look forward to an Astros playoff rotation. If he bounces back today, he's safely in my top four. No question. If he's shaky today, I I can't put him ahead of Hunter Brown and probably even Jose Arcady. Hello, Lucas Giolito. Lucas Giolito's on waivers. Yeah. The Angels placing five players on waivers. Harrison Bader got placed on waivers by the Yankees, too. All these teams are just shedding you know great about that? part of their salary. I don't have to watch the freaking David Cully tongue juggling only with his mouthpiece that Bader does all the time and annoys the hell out of Well, you didn't have me. to watch that anyways because they weren't going to make the playoffs. No, but I got to see it when they play here. That's true. That's what I was talking about. I don't want to see three games of him juggling the mouthpiece on every single play all the time like Steph Curry does, and that annoys me too. Yeah. So if we both have Javier out of the playoff rotation, how about the 26-man roster? Is Javier still guaranteed to be on the playoff roster for the Astros if they're lucky enough to get there? Yeah, I think he is. I, I think that because of his playoff experience and when he was splitting time and coming out of the bullpen, especially in shorter doses where he can empty the tank more, I think he could be an effective relief pitcher on this team come playoff time. He's got experience in his back pocket. He still has good stuff. It's just a matter of figuring out some of these some of these wrinkles, ironing them out to some degree, but I think he's, he's still going to be on the roster. Yeah, I think this was a little hyperbolic to put this out there because I still think that Christian Javier makes the 26-man roster. You're going to carry 13 pitchers in the postseason. He's still one of those 13 unless the Astros end up with Matt Moore or Reynaldo Lopez, who the Angels put on waivers. Now, while he doesn't get a start, like who is taking Christian Javier's spot on the pitching staff in the playoffs? Now, I would push back with you a little bit, Blankers, to say that Javi, I'm not relying on Javier to the bullpen. Like, Javier is my mop-up guy that I'm throwing in uh, in blowout games. He's got stuff that can get guys out if you need him. There's not a single player right now, single pitcher on the Astros right now, that I have behind Christian Javier. Every single member of this roster I trust more in a playoff setting than Christian Javier. That includes Phil Maton. That includes Rafael Montero. That includes Ooh, wow. Phil Maton. Javier's been atrocious. Yeah, he hasn't been great, but I don't think he's been atrocious. Uh, and I think, but I think, I think he can work some things out too. I still don't trust Montero. I mean, Graveman has not been great. So you, so they got him. Bottom of the seventh, you're up a run. Runners at second and third. Let's say bottom of the fifth. You have to use either Phil Maton, Rafael Montero, Christian Javier. What is your order? Because I'm going Maton, Montero, Javier. I'm not going. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Oh, boy. I'm going to go Javier, Maton, and, and, and then uh, Montero. Okay. Mine's different, too. All I'm right. going to go Montero, Maton, Javier. You got Montero on top of that list? I think he's been really Mon- good. He has been good. He has been good lately. He can get you swing and miss, too. He can, I mean, he can strike you out. The only thing like, I, I think is interesting is we really haven't touched on this, but Jose Arquiti was really solid. Out of the bullpen last yeah, he night. he looked good last night. The, and the, like, the best Astros closer on the roster. Like, He's I the w- Astros stopper. He got the save last night. For the rest of the season, like, I kind of want to see some of these guys in piggyback roles to help determine what's the pecking order in the playoffs. Like, who is going to be the Luis Garcia of last year? Is it going to be Urquidy, Javier, or Hunter Brown? It's Javier. And then whichever here's, one's, here's no, the dilemma. The, whichever here's, one's trash is Jose Urquidy who only pitched in the World Series game when Justin Verlander got smoked. Yeah, so Luis Garcia is kind of like your bridge to go to the bullpen. Yeah, like, like eight- He gives you two innings to get you to the sixth yeah, type like of could, deal. Right now, Urquidy's that guy, and Javier is only pitching if you get smoked. Yeah, like break glass only in an emergency. Now, can I pull a semantics argument here? Um, Christian sure. Javier is not on the playoff roster for the first two rounds. 
you don't need him for a three-game series, and you probably don't need him for a five-game series. So you're carrying 12 and 14 yeah. pos- uh, position players. Um, yeah, I guess you could pull semantics on that. I don't think they'd do that. I think they did it last year. I think they could. But I, I think between now and the end of the season, I think whether it's it, it, to your theory about getting in better shape, but I just think that his stuff still can play between now and then. But we're talking now, right this second. Would you guys like to see Christian Javier move to the bullpen now? No, because to, he, to he struggles. No, he struggles in the first inning. Like that's that's the inning that gives him the most concern. He is the got first out inning of that last night? He could have, but go look go look at his numbers in the first inning this year. Uh, they're they're dreadful. They're yeah. atrocious. Like I don't trust Christian Javier right now. I trust Maton more. I trust Montero more for a big out. I trust Ryan Stanick more. I trust Jose Arquiti more. I'm sorry, but Javier's broken. Christian Javier's broken at the moment, that's and a, I don't trust him that's right That's a now. prep time thing, too, with pitchers. Remember, wasn't it Keuchel that had all the issues in the first round throughout his career, too? With, with Javier's not great at it. That's what I'm saying. Javier I'm, takes I'm, a long time to get warmed up. We know we talked about it with Overeasy, but also the fact that Keuchel was a guy that we always crossed his, you always had to cross your fingers in the first inning because if he got through the first inning, he could really deal, but the first inning always gave him trouble, and I was like, there's got to be something with his prep that he should be doing differently. But yeah, Javier's another guy that does struggle with his 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 early ons and getting ready to come into game. And the one thing I didn't love about when they were doing the the flip flopping with Javier in the past is that they would only pitch him one out of every five days in the bullpen when they were going back and forth. So like he wasn't available every two or three days because he was going three four innings at a time. So like that's also that feels like a wasted playoff roster spot. Like if you're going to have a guy that's going to pull like pitch out of the bullpen, but then not be available basically until game seven of a series, like that's a wasted roster spot. The Astros did carry 14 position players and 12 pitchers last year in the ALDS. And then they switched it in the LCS in the world series when it was the best of seven. Now, I don't know if there's a 14th position player though, unless, well, you could keep a third catcher. If Yiner's not starting, you could keep a Salazar, because um, the Astros right now have 13 position players, and that was after the Brantley. I mean, we, they went from 13 to 13. They just sent Jolks down and you know, activated Michael Brantley. Like, there's not really a great 14th option. Like, Corey Jolks isn't going to see any playing time in the playoffs. The only way I see the Astros carrying a 14th position player would be a third catcher. That way they run that. into the Yiner Diaz. Like, he's coming off the bench. Or even if Yonder Diaz is starting, like he's your second catcher, where you have an emergency yeah, catcher because you're pinch hitting for Maldi late in the game. So I could see, I uh, Joe Joe brings up a really good nitpick, really good technicality there. Yeah, no, it, it's a distinct possibility, uh, unless it's Hunter Renfro. It could be Hunter Renfro. Uh, it could be, be Gurchek. I'd be fine with either one of those guys. Gurchek's a guy that's always defensively, like you said, he can play center, he can play left, he he can he can do so many different things for you, and he's better than Jake Myers. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I like that. I like that idea. Maybe maybe Joe's onto something. Maybe I was a little bit mean saying he's hyperbolic. Maybe he is the thirteenth pitcher on this roster, and you only keep twelve. Well, I hope it's the Joe ALDS. Up today I he hope was it's ready not, for the big league. I hope it's not the wild card round, though. Really need the Astros to to make the uh, yeah. I thought the I division title a little bit here. when he said it too. I was like, God, I don't even. I don't like the thought of getting into the wild card round. I have to play it. Yeah. That's a good point. 713-780-ESPN. Take a look at the uh, the Astros pitching matchup. J.P. France, can he get back on track tonight in Beantown at Fenway against the Red Sox? And also the Will of Bits. See what the Will tries to do to the Killer Bees when we return. Killer Bees, ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Football season is here. And the U of H home opener 
right around the corner. Coming up on Saturday, Cougs kicking off their first season as members of the Big 12. And a great matchup, Cougars hosting the Roadrunners from UTSA. And the theme for Game 1, we're going to celebrate the city. Celebrate Houston. Family four-packs are available. Get those right now. You can get four tickets, four hot dogs, four chips, four sodas, all for just $60. Call 713-GO-COUGS or head over to uhcougars.com slash tickets. You can also get individual tickets for just $20. Come early and enjoy all the activities in Cougar Alley in front of TDECU Stadium, including the huge LED TV screen, the Bud Light Backyard, food trucks, and more. Spirit of Houston performing at halftime entertainment by Cheer Leaders, Cougar Doll, Shasta and Sasha, and DJ Yobi Yobes in the student section. Get your tickets now. 713-GO-COUGS, uhcougars.com slash tickets. And don't miss all the fun and pageantry of college football. Come early, be loud, and wear. Guys, I'm telling you right now, football season is upon us. We've been talking about the rosters for the NFL. We already know college football. It is upon us. That means it is time to get on mybookie.ag right now. And make sure you make all the games more interesting. The games that you have a rooting interest in and you're rooting for your team, you may know something or you want to know something, but you want to have even more motivation, you bet on your team. If you don't, if you see a game that you really want to watch because it's football, but you don't have a rooting interest either way, you make it more interesting by putting some money down. I always tell you to go to mybookie.ag because they always take care of you, the customer, and now they got it going on again. You can get started at mybookie.ag and get a startup bonus. That means whatever you put into your account, there'll be a little extra added because they want to take care of you as a customer. You want to do the same thing? You've already been a customer, but you want to get ready for football season, put a little more money in your account? Well, there you go. A reload bonus. It's also available mybookie.ag. Whenever you see a bonus uh, or the ability to add a code, you actually need to add bet975. That's how you cash in. That's how you get those bonuses. That's how you get more money in your account and more chances to win. You can bet on everything. Baseball going down the stretch all the way to the playoffs. You know, there's soccer and UFC and other things you can bet on. And they have live casino betting with live dealers. There are all these different ways that you can get your fix on and get your gambling going, even if you're not at a casino. Check it out today, mybookie.ag. Always remember that promo code, BET975. And remember what I always tell you. You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with the only place I tell you to do it, mybookie.ag. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. J.P. France on the mound today in Boston. See if he can bounce back from that atrocious start against Boston. J.P. France, 9-5, and 351, earned run average. It was in the twos before that start. And then Bello going up against uh, France again for the Red Sox. 10 and 7, 356 ERA. Good right handed arm. Uh, good stuff. Astros are getting back Michael Brantley, if you've been under a rock today. Uh, Otuve, Bregman, Jordan, Tucker, Abreu. Brantley makes his 2023 debut. Yiner, Dubon, and center, and then Pena. Uh, bats ninth. I like the lineup. Uh, I would nitpick Chaz over Dubon a little, mm-hmm. but Dubon's been swinging it well. Chaz is, I'm not going to say he's slumping, but hasn't been at his best. So this is kind of minor. Now, uh, Brian McTaggart did tweet this uh, earlier, Blankers, which mm-hmm. you might find interesting here. Uh, Dusty Baker earlier today said that Brantley will play again tomorrow. He's going to oh. D- DH tomorrow. So left field tonight, DH tomorrow. He said that Abreu will be off tomorrow. And Singleton will play first base. 
Fromber pitches tomorrow, which means Martin Maldonado is going to catch him. So I can read between the lines here. Yiner Diaz isn't playing tomorrow against a right-handed Which, pitcher. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that's exactly what will get under my skin again and get my ire because of the fact that the kid should be playing every single freaking day. John Singleton's a nice story. John Singleton's a nice insurance policy. John Singleton is not Yiner Diaz at the plate. And right now, with the opportunity to do what we've been talking about, Set the precedence now that you are going to be a monster to deal with offensively and you are going to go out and win ball games with your lineup. Put Yiner at first base. Right now he needs all the reps he can get, but the fact is is even if he misses a ball or two or screws something up at first base a little bit, he has the ability with the swing of his bat to make up for it. Put him in the damn lineup. Yeah. I mean, I also thought the the explanations Dusty was given about the fact that, you know how at least he's owning it now. Did you hear him with Brantley too? Once they tell me they're ready, I do like to give them that extra day just to flirt with everybody's emotions to say, oh, he's ready, but I might not play him Tuesday night. Yeah, I think he was just trolling a little bit. I know. I hate all that. He likes to uh, show that he's boss. Uh, 0588. Does that. What is the minimum expectation for Brantley this week for you not to be worried about him? Uh, to Stay me, healthy. Yeah, to me, it's not number. He said 222. To me, it's not even the numbers. It's more how he looks. Like, yeah. if he looks, re- like, even if he's healthy, but he looks like really, really late on fastball. I was say, don't like get that. overmatched. Yeah. yeah, to me, it's like, what does he look like at the plate? If he hits some, like, if he goes 0 for 8 and is hitting line shots everywhere, cool. I'm, I'm excited about that. If he has a couple of bloop shots, but looks really, really slow, old, doesn't look like he can play at this level, then I'm concerned. So it's not really the numbers for me. It's just kind of the eye test. What does he if look like? If he's pulling the, the shoot all over the place, if, if, if he He's, you know, basically speed walking at best around the bases. If he's not covering the gap when he's playing left field and, and looks like he has no speed to get anywhere near a yeah. baseball in time in the outfield and he can't catch up to a 95-mile-an-hour fastball, now I'd have concerns. I test. I test with Brantley. And stay healthy, field. as always. That's yeah. the number one key. Yeah, always health. Health is always important. Uh, Brennan, the Heights, uh, maybe the only trade Casario won here. Casario traded Bradley Roby for a third and a sixth a few years ago, and he was cut today. Uh, 2022 third was a part of the package to trade up for Christian Harris. Okay. Like, Broby right. was not great with the Saints. I, I'll give you that one. I'll and say he, that he was a win. He forced his way out, too. He did. He did. Yeah. I'll say that's a win. We'll give you that one, Brent. That's a good one. We'll give you that one. All right. Let's play the Wheel of Bits. It's the Wheel of Bits on the Killer Bees. Kibbles and bits, kibbles and bits. I'm going to get me some kibbles and bits. Who knows the bits the bees will begrudgingly bite? Well, let's find out. It's time for our fans. Here's Joe and Jeremy and Joe. <laughs> it's time for our fan spotlight. Oh. Where do you guys want to go? You want to go to uh, wherever the Braves played last night or Chicago first? Oh, you're doing this today? Yeah. Okay. Um, let's go to Chicago. All right. Well, uh, Peggy Kaczynski, a reporter out of Chicago, uh, there was a shooting incident at a White Sox game uh, mm-hmm. earlier this week. Weird story. At first, they weren't sure if the if the gun was fired inside or outside the ballpark in that area. You never know. Um, but here's what uh, was reported. Um, the shooting at Guaranteed Rate Field during a White Sox game was indeed an accidental discharge by one of the women grazed by the bullet. She reportedly snuck the gun in past metal detectors, hiding it in the folds of her belly fat. Mm-hmm. So spot like that, fan. I have a lot of questions. Yeah. How does um, the belly fat stop the metal detector from going off? Yeah, that one's a little bit tricky. Like, I don't know how she got through the metal detector. That one's interesting. It shouldn't, right? No matter what 
flesh and blood should not be able to cover up metal if you're going through a metal detector. Two scenarios. Uh, One, the metal detector was not working. Uh, The other scenario is that it did work, but the guy security guarding the metal detector wanted nothing to do with it. What are you supposed to do? Because of the area? Mm. Well, like like you scan the stomach. And it's like, what are you supposed to say? Yeah, like a lot of like, times, like a lot of times, I'll go through a metal detector and it'll beep, and they'll, oh, you got a belt on, go ahead. Right. You know, like they're not that yeah, right. strict; they're not that hardo about it. Now, the bad thing is if they ask you to take the belt off and do it again, and it does it again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but it's also not TSA, right? Like you're just kind of they're just going through. They're trying to get what's well, the White Sox game, so they're not getting that many people through. But they're just trying to get people through in a hurry, trying to get them in. And the security guard was probably like, you know, eh, I'm not going to mess with it today. I'm not going to mess with it today. Now, what's the second question you have here? Why is she bringing a gun to the ballpark? Like, I mean, that is a good question. Why by are the you way. doing that? I mean, it is just outside of Chicago, based on that area. Yeah, so that's a bad area. I mean, look, there. Were, last time I was there, covering the ALDS with the Astros and the White Sox, we left late, and at one point, me and the person I was with, we were very uncomfortable. Yeah. It well, it, this goes back to the days before. Uh, when Chicago Stadium was still the Cabrini Green area and it's all the great. area around Chicago Stadium, it's it is when you, it is a tough, when tough you, neighborhood. When you leave the United Center where the Bulls play and the Hawks play, if you go one direction, you're in a very good neighborhood. Yep. If you go left, I think it is, you're in a very bad neighborhood. See, Weed Straw says, "Ma'am, can you please lift your fat?" Like that's kind of what I was going for. Like the if you're a security guard, that's not a yeah. question you're going to be asking, especially like, if it's a dude. like if if there's nothing metal you can see, clothing wise or otherwise, you can't be delving that deep. Yeah, it's yep. a it's, pass. it's it's like a glitch, you know. Oh, she's fine, or she could easily be lying. Like, don't don't some of the like if you have like uh, metal like surgeries and stuff, and you yeah. have like some screws, like a, or like whatever, a hip replacement, like or a something. hip replacement, yeah. like one that that signals a metal detector too, and you just proclaim it at the start. Most people are just going to believe you, like oh okay, like whatever. But, but you don't need to see the documentation, right? And if you're and again at a ballpark. Like, you don't really care. Like, TSA, it's a much different story. Sure. But at a ballpark, it's like, this is never going to happen. But boom, it happened. She Plaxico burrished herself, right? Yes. She ended up shooting herself. Yeah. Is she okay? I, that, it seems like it. She's not dead? Well, they said grazed, so. Didn't someone in Dallas do this, too? I don't. I didn't hear about the one in well, Dallas. Oh, uh, uh, what's his name? The, the, the Akeem Tlaib. Didn't Akeem Tlaib also no, do this? Akeem no, Tlaib's his, brother murdered. No, that that's a, a different story. Coach. But I also thought Akeem Tlaib had a gun go off in his pants at a club in Dallas. Did it go off, or did you just bring it in there? I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't really remember. I thought there was someone in a club in Dallas had the same thing happen. And then the other one we got this. Hold on a second. Have you ever have you ever illegally brought things into places? Yeah, I've brought in like alcohol, like mini glass, bottles of alcohol right? into yeah. ballparks before. My, uh, I had a buddy who went to Augusta and he hid liquor in a sunscreen bottle. Smart. <laughs> like, I think yeah. they sell them. He didn't clean out the sunscreen. And then everybody, you know, takes candy to the movies, right? I bought all my groomsmen flasks that look like iPhones. Really? The top of, like, the top of the iPhone, like, <laughs> screws off and they look like iPhones. And then were they using this at your wedding or no? No comment. Man. All right, what's the next one? Uh, do you guys see what happened in Colorado last night? Two fans run on the field, go to hug yeah. Roberto uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. Super bizarre. I mean, the one guy, like, they're dragging him away. One guy gets tackled, and both both guys have been arrested. But just what a bizarre it, it, scene that was. It was so was. dangerous the way it went down, and, and I was relieved after the fact to find out there was no animosity involved because Acuna, Acuna Jr. ends up going to the ground, and it could have been he could have gotten hurt. It could kudos to him as well for not losing his cool or freaking yeah. the hell out. Actually, I, I would like to have seen that. 
I would have liked to see. I him would have lose hoped his there pool. was no punishment for him. There shouldn't be. You know, whenever uh, it reminded me of Hank Aaron. It reminded me of Hank Aaron. Rounding the be bases honest, on yeah, seven fifteen. Honestly, it reminded me of that. Uh, there is like this happens sometimes in wrestling, and the wrestlers will literally beat you up. I yeah. feel like that should be the I, rule. Like I if you the, run onto the field with a bunch of athletes, freebies. they should have the freebies. They should Hell be yeah. allowed to beat you up. This happens too much. We saw it with Altuve the uh, last year, wasn't it? Yes, where the fan ran out there. The players should have the freedom to kick their butts, and if they did, and people see that on television, you know what's going to happen? Less them running onto the field. Yeah, look, it's always the entertainment of and Kevin Harlan doing play by play when a security yeah. guy just lowers the boom on someone. But when you see the way Acuna Jr. went down, and that's the that's best brutal. team in baseball with the uh, the best player on the best team, that's dangerous, and that's got to stop. Yeah, yeah, it's not a great scene at all. All right, does it for us. Thanks to Joe George for doing all the hard work. He's blank. I'm Branham. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Other screaming, a passionate shout. It's the Nightman. Jeremy Branham for Gentle Ben hanging out.